The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Initiative, WandaVision. Welcome to the Avengers Initiative, WandaVision, a PapiChuloRadio.com original series. PapiChulo Radio, celebrating a decade of podcasting excellence. Today is Monday, February 1st, 2021, and I'm your host, Jeffrey Aruz. During this podcast, we'll be having an in-depth discussion on Disney Plus's WandaVision. Please welcome my co-hosts, Priscilla Rocha. Hey, everybody. And Professor X. Hello, everyone. All right, let's jump into our discussion of Season 1, Episode 4, which was titled... We interrupt this program! Exactly. And debuted... I interrupted you. You did, but that was perfect. And debuted January 29th, 2021, via Disney+. Plus. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. Monica Rambeau tasked with a special assignment regarding sentient weapons, goes missing. Dun-dun-dun. All right, so this episode, we had been hearing for a while, like, this one's going to be a game-changer. We, we, we spoke about the previous episode as a game-changer based off of what happened at the tail end of that episode and, and everything else. And uh, we had heard this one's going to change the game. So this one picked up the game, if it were a board game, and flipped it over. <laughs> turned it around, mixed up the little playing pieces and everything because, man, this was this was an interruption to the program that we were watching, but a brilliant interruption because it allowed us to catch up with everything that was going on, in essence, in the outside world as Wanda and Vision live out their sitcom fantasies right before our eyes. So let's talk about, we have to talk about the opening scene, because for me, this was something that I had been so curious about. We have seen people uh, get snapped, although technically in the MCU it's called, it would be blipped. You know, we've seen the snap. We saw people disappear into, you know, sort of disappear. They turn into ash, in essence. And we saw them vanish. Half of the population of the world, of the universe, vanish in Avengers Infinity War. And then in Avengers Endgame, we saw Hulk snap. And we didn't see people return, but we did get that phone call from Hawkeye's wife. So we knew that people returned. We just did not see how they returned. And in this opening for episode four, within those first five minutes, we saw Monica Rambo, a woman that we only knew as Geraldine, but because of casting scoop, we knew she was Monica Rambo. We saw her get unblipped. We saw her, you know, the ash form into her body, and uh, and we saw people around her getting unblipped as well. 
So let's talk about this. Was everyone else excited about this? Because I was so curious to see this in, in visual form. And if I'm being fully honest, I would love a limited series, maybe just six episodes, anthology style, following you know, six different people, seeing them getting unblipped and trying to return back to life and, and seeing them, some of them, you know, maybe half of those episodes could be happy endings at the end and half of them can be horrible endings, you know, and that sort of thing. But I would love to see them sort of uh, acclimate to life after the blip. I think that would be fascinating. It doesn't have to be multiple seasons, just one season, six episodes, anthology style. Uh, Disney Plus, if you're listening, thank you so much in advance. Uh, Priscilla, what'd you think of the opening for We Interrupt This Program? I thought it was super strong. I thought it was, like, again, we've only... The the most recent taste I feel I've gotten from Blip Reactions was um, the Spider-Man movie where they talked to the teacher and he's like, yeah, my wife got blipped or said she got blipped, but really she just ran away with somebody else and got married or some like something like that like it was akin to that and like aunt may was talking about how she got blipped and came back and she was in a house with uh, in in the apartment again but people had already moved into her apartment and she was like there was i was super confused but we've never actually gotten to see it happen in real time so to see the confusion, the chaos at a hospital too, like the only place I could see it going even worse would be like in inside an airplane or something as it's still going inside. And like, I don't know, you're in a chair and somebody just pops up in your lap or something. No, Priscilla, you're thinking of it in the wrong way because I thought of this. I think the worst would be if you were blipped while in a plane because you would have been blipped back where the plane was, and there would be no plane there. No, because they mentioned that they they asked the directors or something like that a question like about about that like how did the Hulk make it so that um, people who were in like planes like that because they asked him that question and they're like no but they would they would blip back into into the 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 respective plane itself. You think like, so? You would have thought of that. I think that's a clean answer because it's not like the plane would be exactly in air at the time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't know if I buy that. But I, li- <laughs> yeah. I like that they thought of it because, in essence, I just thought of people free-falling from the sky and dying because they were blipped back into a plane oh that is no you longer there. Super dark side. I really did, yeah. But, you know, it's where my mind goes. But continue on, Priscilla. So, I don't know. Like, the, just... The hospital was one of, like, the main points that I thought of as, like, just an, an a place of chaos, of just where you wouldn't be able to really contain everybody want, wandering about the hospital, not knowing whether they're victims, whether they're people that are undergoing mania right about that at that time or whether they're people that are delusional and whether they're patients or whether they're actual people that need help and whether they're taking up a bed and you need to give them a bed or or not like it's just it's 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 chaos and to have the heartbreak of of finding out that you were there for 
what was supposed to be an operation that went successfully, and it did go successfully, but she died after you blipped out. That's terrible. Oh, my God. Like, how do you jump back from that? But that's what this episode is all about, how you jump back from being blipped. And it's it's great. And I think that's what this whole series is about. How do you jump back from tragedy, from being blipped? Mm. Very interesting. Because Wanda was blipped. So uh, that's, that's an interesting take, Priscilla. I, I like that. Um, Professor. So I want to get your take on the blipation of the situation, but I also want to get your take on Monica. So for the past two episodes, you know, we knew her as Geraldine, and I'm using air quotes, but in this episode, we, f- we get the official. For those out there that were watching and had not read anything about any casting scoops uh, about Tiana Paris and that sort of thing, they got official confirmation that this is Monica Rambo, daughter of uh, Maria Rambo from the Captain Marvel film. Uh, they did a really great job of using audio uh, dialogue from Captain Marvel as we saw uh, Monica getting unblipped. What did you think of the opening, uh, the the blipping or the unblipping and uh, Monica's reaction to everything in the opening? My initial reaction to the opening was that, you know, the first three episodes have been sort of, you know, like a Disney plus, you know, fun, lighthearted with, you know, some Easter eggs thrown in to keep us interested and little bits of, uh, of malice going around. But this episode was the Marvel Cinematic Universe kicking in the front door saying, hold my beer. And from there on in, this was a Marvel, this was a Marvel movie for the entire episode right from the beginning. This was not like the previous three episodes. This really was interrupting the program, uh, both in terms of storytelling uh, and just the visual way in which the story was told. It felt like a Marvel movie more than anything else. Uh, I loved the uh, the uh, uh, showing the uh, the blip, you know, the the reversing of the snap. Uh, and, you know, uh, again, you know, as you mentioned, the idea of, you know, dealing with the consequences, the only place we've dealt with the consequences was, as Priscilla said, uh, over on Spider-Man Far From Home, where it was played for laughs, even, you know, showing the scenes of the people, uh, you know, the uh, the band suddenly appearing in the middle of a basketball game or, you know, Aunt May talking about her experience uh, and stuff like that. Now, there were some little bits, little hints in there, you know, like they were raising money for the people who'd uh, come back from the blip and Far From Home took place. <sighs> what I guess probably about what eight months to a year after the blip because they would have finished school year. Um, so uh, I really like the fact that, you know, they're sort of leaning into there are consequences. And again, that's much more the, you know, MCU approach rather than the, uh, the lighter TV show approach. Now that's it, you know, the TV show approach can take on these more serious topics, but up until now we really haven't had that. So, um, you know, I think that was, that was great. I thought it was, it was a wonderful way to, uh, to reintroduce, to, you know, formally introduce us to Monica because of course, yeah, we knew who Geraldine really was, but in case anyone didn't know, this was a great way to get that. Um, it's interesting to find out that sword is such a big deal because it was never mentioned in the MCU before it is comics accurate. Yes. Um, but, uh, you know, and it certainly uh, suggested that, uh, Monica has been to space seemingly on the reg. Um, and, uh, it's, uh, you know, so there's a lot of backstory that, uh, you know, we might find out more about sword, uh, you know, what their job is. And there was even a line in there, uh, about, uh, you know, their, uh, 
their job is supposed to be, you know, uh, observation and reconnaissance, not, you know, getting actively involved, uh, which is something that uh, seemed to take her aback and, you know, had the standard things have changed, uh, sort of mirroring what uh, Nick Fury said to Captain America back in uh, the Winter Soldier. Uh, so I thought it was just an extremely effective opening to demonstrate that, okay, something different is going to be happening in this episode. So strap yourselves in. And uh, and to introduce those who didn't know who Monica Rambeau was uh, to Monica Rambeau. It's also nice that, you know, uh, we find out what did happen to Maria Rambeau, who was such a great character in Captain Marvel. Correct. Uh, just, it was sad, though. Really tragic. Uh, we have to remember Marvel is all about hope. But there's a whole lot of tragedy in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and, and part of that was learning that Maria Rambo has passed. Um, it did allow uh, Monica at least a, a better understanding of exactly what happened, that she disappeared, and, uh, you know, and two years after she disappeared, uh, Maria passed. Let's talk about, because the professor set up a perfect uh, segue, let's talk about S.W.O.R.D. So this was officially our first official, official, official introduction to sword in the mcu sword stands for at least in the mcu sentient uh weapon observation and response division as the professor mentioned it looks like this has been established for a moment and based off of what we learned in this episode it looks like it was established by maria rambo which is awesome because that means two of uh, the biggest, I don't know what we want to call them, not government agencies, but two of the biggest agencies in the MCU were started up by women. Peggy Carter, uh, Agent Peggy Carter with S.H.I.E.L.D. and uh, Captain uh, Maria Rambo with S.W.O.R.D. So... Uh, S.W.O.R.D. was teased a little bit. At least people sort of interpreted it at, at it as sword when we saw um what was it in uh, spider-man far from home uh, i think it was was it the tail end of far from home or was it a post-credit scene with nick fury and the scrolls okay so there was the post-credit scene i didn't scenes. think that was sword i thought that was uh nick hanging out with the scrolls i didn't necessarily think that was sword related okay maybe uh, some people on the internet thought that that was like a tease of sword, so that's why I'm bringing it up. I don't know. We didn't get confirmation, so I don't know if uh, if that would be an official thing of sword. But this was the official in-name sword debut in the MCU. What do we think this means? I know that you know. It's really, this question is more just for hypothesis and theorizing that sort of thing. But are we excited that sword is in the mix, especially because Shield? isn't so is it important to have an agency like this that that can be used in the mcu going forward question mark i'll open it up to the floor well i feel like since we used shield already and we can't use shield anymore that they have to have an agency that they can use and sword is like well it's there and it's handy and it's something that can be used and since they're gonna open the, the the next arc to dealing with space and with further travel it's perfect for sword to handle so it's 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 tailor-made for this new era in marvel to fit with i think shield was our last arc, and sword is this arc. Okay, 
I can dig that. Professor, anything else to add in regards to S.W.O.R.D.? Are we excited to see S.W.O.R.D. in action? Uh, I am. I think you do need a replacement for S.H.I.E.L.D. in some form or another. Um, uh, you know, it can it can be a malign force, it can be a positive force, or it can just be a neutral force that sets the story in line. For example, how else would you have gotten, you know, uh, Darcy to the scene if there hadn't been a sword to call upon her? Uh, you know, uh, how would uh, um, Monica have been pulled in if sword hadn't been there for the FBI to call upon? So, you know, just from a pure storytelling point of view, having this sort of almost MacGuffin type organization, uh, you know, is is very good for, uh, you know, giving them a, a handy way to get to where they want to go in a story. So I think it's valuable to have for that reason alone. All right. I'm here for it as well. And Professor, once again, give me a, a proper segue. So we're going to talk, as, as we referenced, this, this episode was very MCU-oriented. It was uh, an episode that really did play out like an MCU film. And what happens in MCU films? We see fan-favorite characters return, get paired up, team up, and uh, try to save the world together. The first character that we've seen before, that we saw again, was uh, Agent Jimmy Woo. And to be quite honest, I always thought, in the back of my mind, I always saw him as like a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent or, or someone involved, really involved in uh, sort of the machinations of uh, the MCU. But in reality, he's just an FBI agent. And I don't know why, I, I always assumed that there was more to that. But it seems like they're just playing it that he's a straight up FBI agent, not someone, um, you know, at, from like S.W.O.R.D. or, well, S.H.I.E.L.D. is no longer in existence, but, you know, someone from those types of agencies embedded if, in the FBI. Uh, like sort of how, um, what's her name, um, the Black Widow would, you know, flash a card and say she's a part of this, but in reality she wasn't. I thought that that's what they were going to do with him, but it looks like he's not. Uh, he's just an FBI agent, the agent that we were introduced to in both of the Ant-Man movies. And uh, he's brought in because a witness that's in witness protection has gone missing. It's like he doesn't exist. He calls S.W.O.R.D. They send uh, Monica Rambo, And uh, we do see that he has uh, achieved a little bit of... Uh, character development or plot progression, whatever you want to call it. Remember, he was he was jealous of uh, Ant-Man's uh, close-up magic, and he's learned close-up magic. It was a teeny tiny little thing. But yeah, he flipped a card. Yes. The, he flipped his ID card that way. I loved that. I thought that was a cute little signal to Ant-Man. It was a teeny tiny little moment, but fantastic if you're following along at home. So what do we think of uh, Agent Wu? Were we excited to see him? I, I feel like we kind of knew he was coming because we recognized his voice from the Wanda, you know, who is doing this to you uh, message from uh, the radio in episode two. But are we glad to see Jimmy Wu? And what do we think of his return uh, to uh, the MCU world? Uh, Priscilla? Um... There, I have something to say, but I'm not sure if this gets into future into future territory with spoilers. So, oh, is it okay if I can say it? Um, sure. Why not? We'll pull the bandaid off because I have no idea what you're about to say. So let's go. Okay, so I just wanted to say that, like, the he's there to go into looking for his missing persons, right? Correct. But, when they were looking at the sitcom, he didn't recognize 
any of the neighbors there. So who is his missing persons? Why oh, okay. Is he there? Yes. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I question why he's there. And and a part of me, when you said, I I, I get the feeling that he's kind of like Natasha, that he has like deeper pull than he had than than we realize. I think that that's going on into play here because why why would you be there if your missing persons isn't there? That's interesting. Uh, that's very interesting. Um, I, I do have a question about the missing person. Uh, we'll handle that a little bit later, but I'm glad that you brought that up, and I'm, I'm glad that you're questioning why Wu is there. Very interesting. Okay. Someone else that we saw that we've seen before, but it has been a long time. When was the last time we saw Darcy? It was Thor, The Dark World, the movie that we all try to forget. It's been long enough to complete a doctorate at any rate. I know, right? She's well, doctor. Complete a doctorate. Yes. Doctor Darcy now. Doctor Darcy Lewis. That. Yes. She she brought so much humor to this episode. And uh, she's an astrophysicist. She um figured out, you know, everything with the the CMBR that was surrounding um uh Westview. And uh, she was the one that really figured everything out in this episode. Professor, were you excited to see Darcy and see what she's been up to? Oh, definitely. I mean, I love Kat Dennings. I love the character of Darcy Lewis. She was great in Thor. She was great in Thor The Dark World, one of the few highlights of that movie. Um, And, you know, it just, you know, she's a character that bristles with, you know, uh, a combination of intelligence and snark, but not mean snark. So like, you know, uh, they established, and again, you know, you can't assume that everyone watching this has seen, you know, Thor. uh, So they wouldn't necessarily know who the character is. So like from the moment we meet her when she's sitting in the back of the van, and uh, and she figures out that obviously Sword has pulled together people from various disciplines because they don't know what's going on. And then the uh, the guy she asked first, who said, we're not supposed to tell anyone, says, I'm a chemical engineer. Nobody cares, dude. Um, that is Darcy Lewis right there. Um, the little bits, you know, she she's just so good, you know, uh, you know, trying to get a cup of coffee, uh, you know, struggling to uh, to get a heavy piece of equipment up while the guy's just standing there watching her. Uh, but again, that whole, you know, just that, uh, you know, a very smart capable character uh who you know figures stuff out on her own uh and is able to you know be you know really brilliant but also snarky and funny uh is is really you know important uh, in a show like this it could so easily uh you know devolve into you know boring people in lab coats uh and and darcy is not that and uh, i'm sure we'll talk about darcy uh going forward but yeah just her her reintroduction her figuring out from the cosmic microwave background radiation um you know, and uh, and uh, and and picking out the uh, the signal uh, was great, and sort of you know it does explain. And and I tip my hat to those who at the end of the first episode said that you know, they saw a woman's hand, you know, and said, "Ah, oh, it must be Darcy." And I said, "You're jumping to conclusions. It could be anyone." Yes, it was Darcy. Congratulations, you were right. You Thank you. That was me. jumpers to conclusions. Yeah, that was me. I remember that moment, and uh, I'm very proud of it. So we get a lot of information in this episode. We get we basically see everything from the POV of the people outside looking into Westview, which 
apparently doesn't exist. There is a bit of uh, like uh, uh, amnesia going on with people in in the world as far as Westview. There's an Eastview, New Jersey, but the people from Eastview do not believe that there is a Westview. They they say that this town does not exist, but clearly it does because Wu remembers putting or or, or placing someone in Witsec in. Uh, uh, Westview, but then this person now no longer exists as well, and 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 that sort of thing. So when Monica gets sucked into uh, the sucked into this uh, this town because there's this uh, barrier, this um, this barrier that looks a lot like um, like fu- like a fuzzy TV almost type of thing. It, it was interesting the um, the VFX that they used for it. Um, she gets sucked in, and so they start doing research. Darcy shows up, and she's able to, with an old-timey TV, not a flat one, uh, get a signal from what's being beamed through the the CMBR, and uh, she's able to see inside. And so they start, you know, taking pictures, doing facial recognition, and they realize that there are actual real people trapped in there playing these sitcom characters. Uh, we, we don't know, I don't think we get confirmation that these are actual residents of uh, Westview. We just know that they're actual people playing these characters. Uh, so, uh, let's see, because there's so much that we can dissect. I'm trying to figure out where we should go next. Well, something that I thought was interesting. So, the hexagon. It's a, it's a motif that we've seen from the start of the series. You know, they always end the sitcoms with uh, Wanda and Vision in a hexagon shape. We've seen the hexagon all over the place, uh, whether it, it's sort of hidden or not. Uh, there was a question, because uh, they start doing a, um, not a murder board, but like a crime board or whatever you want to call it, and uh, Agent Wu is like writing questions, like, why the hexagon? And it looks like the town is is trapped in a hexagon type of shape, um, and, and so the hexagon keeps on showing up. I don't know what it means. Does anyone here have a theory about the hexagon outside of the fact that we just keep on seeing hexagons? I have a theory, but it's a crackpot theory. I love a crackpot. Go ahead. So much the better. <laughs> I have a theory that when Wanda was battling with Thanos, she absorbed some of the, um some of the gems powers and when she was snapped like she went away but when she came back and the gems were wished away we've heard before that the gems can't be wished away they have to be they have to exist somewhere in the universe they have to be they have to exist somewhere uh, and universes that don't have them go through like catastrophes so I feel like they got reintegrated within a certain person and in in this case they went to the person that had the same the same characteristics or qualities me- meaning Wanda which is why she had the power like of the soul stone to bring back vision of the mind stone to give him back his to give him back his mind stone and to bring him back to life exactly as he was of the power stone to push um, Agent Monica 
three houses down of like she has the power of all of these stones and she's able to control all of this area and which is why there's six the hexagon that's interesting that's a good crackpot theory i like it i did read somewhere some people were sort of theorizing that uh wanda is as powerful as she is because uh, when she was ex- being experimented on by Strucker, it wasn't just that, like, the stone, you know, with the staff, you know, sort of uh, awakened whatever in her. Some people are thinking that it's kind of like a Captain Marvel situation where maybe she absorbed a lot more energy from the stone. And, and that's why she can be as powerful as she is. Um, I don't know what they're going to do in regards to her once the M word is said and the MCU, uh, you know, will they sort of, uh, you know, rewrite some of her history to make her the M word? Yo no sé, but we'll have to stay tuned in regards to that. But I do like that um, crackpot theory. It's very, very interesting. So... Do I get to do my crackpot oh, theory? Oh, you have a crackpot too? I guess they were on it's sale. It's not nearly as crackpot. It's, it's less a crackpot theory than an interesting observation. Okay, bring uh, it on. The uh, uh, Vision's Infinity Stone is a hexagon. It's not a regular hexagon, but it is a hexagon. Oh, okay. I like it. Hexagons are also interesting because you can tessellate them, which means you can lay one against uh, the edge and it will form an infinite flat surface. Um, and, of course, uh, in the comic books, the, uh, the Scarlet Witch's powers are known as hexes. I like it. Fantastic. I approve of uh, all of that. Okay, so okay, so we talked about the hexagons. Um, Wait, I, can I just mention one more oh, thing? Yes, before, bring it on. Before we like brush past it. Monica, as an agent, annoys the hell out of me because you go for, like, this new alien thing that's, like, right in front of you, and the first thing you do is you touch it. Agent Wu was a hell of a lot smarter in, like, staying back from it and, like, sending drones out instead of touching it. And the first thing she does as an agent just goes and touches it. This is why you are not the director of S.W.O.R.D. Because you go and do stupid shit like this. That's funny. I love that you're throwing She's an shade astronaut. at her. Astronaut. She's accustomed to doing crazy stuff. Yes, I love that you're throwing shade at her. But number one, it wasn't the first thing she did. She sent a drone. So the first thing she did was she sent the drone. Number two, I think the conversation that she had with Wu is important because Wu says, "Like, don't you feel like something's off? Don't you feel, you know, like it doesn't want us to go in and this, that, or the other? And that's the feeling he had. They also mentioned something to the gist of, why is it that we know that Westview exists? You know, were we outside of the radius? You know, is it that we don't have a connection? Do we have a connection? And that sort of thing. She says that we don't have a connection. But what I'm thinking is, maybe she was allowed in for a reason, and Wu wasn't. That was just sort of my interpretation of it. I could be totally wrong. I hope that your but I hope that your interpretation is right for 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 her agency's sake, for for her intelligence's sake, because that that bugged the hell out of me when it happened. I was just kind of like, oh, and there she goes. That was not smart. Although, I, I oh, are you saying you've never licked an electrical fence? Come on. Oh, my people. God. Well, maybe not that. What do you do? You touch things you're not supposed to touch. That's funny. It's the scientist <laughs> in me. 
Although it, it was important for her to go inside of uh, the hive, in essence, because it, it gave her some interesting intel, and uh, it, it certainly um, allowed uh, Wanda to do whatever she had to do. So it was important that she she uh, infiltrated Westview, although it might not have been um, her initial plan at all. So, okay, so we talked about the hexagon. I also want to say... Uh, a little note, because I saw it, but it was not referenced. So they were going through, so-and-so are the hearts, so-and-so is Norm, so-and-so is this. They had a picture of Agnes, but they didn't do the whole so-and-so is Agnes. I don't know if anybody realized this. They didn't do that with Dottie either. Correct. Yeah, Agnes and Dottie were both left out. Correct. So... That was now one of them could be uh, Jimmy's contact, and he's just protecting that contact's uh, identity. Potentially, although he kept on saying him, so I'm assuming it's yeah, a, that's true. It's but a male character. He might be hiding the person's, you know, the uh, that information. You know, I did still possible. I did think of that because initially I thought, is the person in Witsec Wanda? Because you know, even though he kept on saying, you know, my, you know, he's this, that, or the other, he kept on using uh, male pronouns. I was like, maybe it could be Wanda, and and he just didn't want Monica to know that it was Wanda, so that's why you know he kept on using the opposite pronouns. And then he was surprised to see Wanda on the TV screen. So I was like, okay, so it wasn't Wanda that was in Witsec. Although that would have been an interesting arc. That would have been an interesting start to to the storyline. Um, you know, at least we would have known how Wanda got to Westview. So we'll have to wait a couple more episodes. Yeah, I to almost had that a out. crackpot theory uh, worthy of Priscilla, but I've realized it doesn't hold up. So, oh, I would still love to hear it. Okay, what if the reason Wanda went to Westdale and took it over, or Westville, and took it over, is because that's where Vision's body was sent to some storage facility, and that is, you know, ostensibly the witness, but. Uh, James Wu did say that he, you know, contacted friends and, and relations and stuff like that, and no one else had heard anything. So, and all of them had forgotten. Um, now that all of them have forgotten, but yeah, no, I don't think that holds up. Okay, interesting crackpot theory as well. We enjoy a crackpot. They're apparently on sale on Amazon right now. Uh, okay, so all right, so we talked about the board. Uh, okay, censorship. You know, we're dealing with a television show that is an homage to television. So, of course, there's going to be censorship, right? Or at least we have to discuss it. So, we saw a couple of instances of censorship from this WandaVision television show that's be- that they are now able to broadcast thanks to Dr. Darcy Lewis. The first one was the whole... Uh, you know, can you hear me, Wanda? Is that, who is doing this to you, Wanda? That whole uh, we we saw how that happened. Uh, Darcy had the idea. You know, they put the radio the same frequency of uh, you know what's the, the broadcast signal. And uh, initially, she was planning on doing that while Wanda was washing the dishes because there's a radio nearby. But uh, it turns out we were in the part of uh, the WandaVision series where she is at the ladies' club, and uh, the radio is there. So we see the scene played out exactly how we saw it, except not really, because it was edited. You know, we see them, we see Wanda and Dottie initially, facially, with emoting, reacting to uh, Agent Wu, 
And then, bloop, there's a cut, a splice, and it's the gag of how do you get blood out of, um, you know, whatever it was, uh, cloth. And we saw it later on as well. You know, uh, we saw the confrontation between Geraldine and Wanda. We see probably a little bit more than I thought we were going to see, because we see that it's a very tense uh, confrontation. And then, bloop, and credits. We don't see anything else. And Darcy, initially, when she's doing the whole radio thing, she's like, oh, I guess it didn't work. She didn't realize that there was a cut. But then once she sees the Geraldine situation, she's like, someone is censoring this. Who's censoring this? So do we think it's Wanda? Uh, what do we think is going on? Uh, do we think this censorship is important? I mean, I have my opinion. I would say yes. But what do both of you think? Uh, Priscilla? I'm amending my previous theory and going with Professor X's theory now and saying that it's totally all Wanda now. Oh, okay. She's the one that's that's twisting the dial here and that's... that's <laughs> I love that. Anger. Don't touch that dial. I, I think that that's what she's doing. I, I, I honestly think that she's... That, that through her grief... That she's just manifested this perfect little world for herself. And anything that doesn't, that messes with that world, she just goes and erases. That's fascinating. I have a response for this, but it, I have to mention something that happens at the end. So I will, I will hold on for just a moment. But Professor, what about you? Your thoughts on what the censorship means? Uh, yeah, I think uh, everything fits that. Um, I think there's still an outside possibility that maybe someone else is involved because if Wanda is, you know, creating this reality, you know, within the bubble, you know, why is the message getting out? Why is it being transmitted out? Could there be someone else in there who is transmitting out a version of that? It's also kind of interesting that, you know, uh, you know, we've seen, you know, the, the three episodes that we've seen, but there's obviously much more going on because Darcy mentions, you know, the washing of the dishes that she sees at least once a day. And, you know, we haven't seen that at all. Well, we saw her wash the dishes once. So, um, you know, it, it, it seems much more that there is, you know, this, this, you know, it's not just the episodes that we've been seeing. It seems there's more going on that is part of this, uh, this show going on. Um, uh, one thing I loved about it is that, you know, uh, you see, uh, you know, uh, uh, Darcy and, and Jimmy, you know, staring at the, the TV, watching it like we are They're They're, they're like the proxies for us. Uh, the only thing that would have been more funny is if, you know, the two of them had set up a podcast to discuss what happened. Um, but, know, you know, right? the, the questions that were on the, on the whiteboard were the same questions we we're asking. Their reactions to what's happening in the show are the same as our reactions. They spotted the edit just like we spot the edits. Um, so, you know, putting those two characters in there to be the audience surrogates, I thought was a brilliant use of the characters. I agree with that as well. So I guess I, I might as well just jump in and talk about what I think is going on. And, and I'll reference the final scene. So uh, I want to talk about what happens, what we see with Wanda and Geraldine separately. So, uh, so I'll save that for, for in just a moment. But in the very final scene, we have, uh, G well, no, she's not Geraldine anymore. She's Monica. Monica says, it's Wanda, it's all Wanda. I feel like because we are told, because she, in essence, looks into the camera, looks at us, and she's like, it's Wanda. It's all Wanda. That has to mean it's not Wanda. 
I, I don't feel like they would have included that if Wanda, in essence, is the big bad at the end of it. Now, I do feel like she is in control in Westview, but I, I feel like this witness, for some reason, I, I do have a big question mark with this WITSEC person. I have a question mark with the edits, because I don't think that's Wanda editing that. Uh, we've seen her edit other things, but in essence, what she's editing is when people inside, in particular Vision, starts questioning things. So, and none of those moments had to deal with that. So, I, I don't, I, for some reason, I don't think that's Wanda editing or censoring the program. I think it is someone else. And uh, I think the biggest clue is because we end the episode with it's Wanda. It's all Wanda. And this is episode, what, four out of episode nine? I, I don't think we would get confirmation this early on. That's just my opinion about it. Does anyone have a response to what yeah, I just said? That my, my only reason for thinking you might be right is, is from the storytelling point of view. I think all the evidence we've seen so far is someone was clever enough to point out last time, uh, suggests that Wanda is in control. Wanda is doing everything. It's only from a storytelling point of view that I do feel that, you know, telling us this early, if she is actually the big bad, uh, is an odd choice because there's still a lot of story left to go. And if we know who done it, um, on the other hand, you know, she's basically being set up as, you know, limitless power in there. So I think, you know, storytelling wise, we can now split between what's happening in um in in the wandavision world and what's happening in the outside world as they're trying to figure out what's going on and counter it and we've gotten hints of a vision having doubts and realizing things aren't adding up uh so i think that could be uh, uh a way to drag it out but yeah just from a simple storytelling point of view i think if she really was the only malign force or the only real big bad we wouldn't have found out quite this early um with so many episodes left to go uh, I think it uh, it sort of you know makes the storytelling harder. Although that said, you know it's it's you know the the old Columbo mysteries were very popular, and they always showed you who did it in the first scene, and then it was about Columbo figuring it out. So uh, it might be more about that. Uh, just getting back to uh, Priscilla's um, uh, batshit crazy theory, there is something in the comics, uh, the Cosmic Cube. Uh, which allows the person holding it to manipulate reality. And there was, uh, you know, the, there have been times where the cosmic cube took on a human form. So that could be, and the, the cosmic cube is related to the infinity stones. So that could be, uh, you know, uh, uh, something, uh, you know, if they want to touch into that and they, they really haven't brought out that, uh, that idea in the MCU so far, but it's basically, you know, a, a large scale reality altering uh, device. So it's hmm. possible that she has manifested the powers of a cosmic cube, which could be very interesting. Sounds fascinating. I want to say that it, even if they figured out that, that even if they said it's Wanda, it's all Wanda, and it's early, isn't it just a, a new writing challenge to create something where your bad guy is a good guy and you have to write how she's going to deal with trauma and how she's going to deal with a husband who might may or may not be on her side completely with this entirely and whose like happy idyllic little world is about to crumble upon her like how how you react to grief that way like i don't know i i i i see this and i get excited 
for that as opposed to just like oh it's a new big bad like I think that would be a boring storyline to go for. Well, I think also, as I said last time, what's more dangerous than a mother bear protecting her cubs? True. I think they could still do everything that you're saying, Priscilla, and there's still being some sort of manipulative force. Uh, Because if I'm being fully honest, the one thing that I really want to see is I need to see Wanda have a breakdown. Like, this whole series, I feel like, is her having a breakdown, dealing with grief, dealing with the loss of vision, and that sort of thing. Now, whether we have vision at the end, whether the twins will be real at the end of this uh, series, stay tuned, because we don't know the answer to that. But I I do want to see her deal with grief. Even if vision is reborn at the end of this all, I still need her... To, to deal with it a little bit. And um, I think we can still have that even if there is some sort of uh, larger bad manipulative force. Wanda clearly is a bad guy because whatever she's doing, um, she's clearly she clearly has hostages. These are real people uh, from the real world that are trapped in uh, Westview. And uh, Westview is you know, trapped from the outside world. So she is doing bad things that she will have to atone for at some point anyway. Although you know, we often, you know, over on the CW verse shows, we talk about, you know, uh, redemption, you know, what can a character do and, and still achieve redemption? You know, uh, when she blasted Monica away, Monica did not die. In fact, did not seem to sustain nearly the injuries she should have sustained from that. So one could argue that, you know, uh, the Scarlet Witch, it was still protecting her because she would have died going through all those walls. Uh, We have no idea what happened to the beekeeper guy, um, which is still a big question kind of hanging out there. Uh, What what did happen to that guy? guy? What happened? He came out as an extra in the next episode. Was who was he? He was he was in the background in one of them. I think he was like an ice cream man or something. Oh, okay. I missed that completely because uh, yeah. I if so, then he like Monica was just incorporated into the reality. Very interesting. Let's talk about. Oh, good to that. know. I missed that. Okay, let's let's talk about this because we were treated to the fact that uh, if things, whether human or not, are brought into the world they do incorporate themselves into that appropriate time period. So I think a lot of people, even we sort of talk like, is was that a drone? Was that an actual plane? Did it just turn into a toy because it came into the world? We got an official answer. It was a drone. And the drone turned into a toy because that was appropriate for the time period. Well, what's interesting is that uh, it happened uh, during the 60s episode when everything was in black and white, but the toy was in color. Uh, I wonder if it was still in color because it came from the outside world and, and um, you know, it hadn't fully um, gotten absorbed by uh, the 1960s motif. We, we did also... Well, if that's true, mm-hmm. why was Dottie's blood red? There is that as well. So I do wonder if we will get an answer to the black and white aspect and why there were elements of color. I, I don't know if that's something we will get the answer to. But uh, it would be kind of nice if, if we did. 
the other thing that we saw was the sword agent who was in like a hazmat suit. They had a chain on him to, you know, I guess pull him back or whatever. He could let them know if he's in trouble. He had comms and all that kind of stuff. He was communicating back. And uh, he went through the sewers. And once he passed the barrier that was uh, fully active underground as well, he transformed from the hazmat suit into the beekeeper suit. The chain, the little bit that touched the... um, the barrier turned into what looked like a jumping rope type of thing uh, or whatever. It was a toy. It wasn't. Yes, it was a jump rope. Jump ropes back in the 1970s had those little plastic uh, protectors on them. Yes. And uh, and we saw him emerge from the manhole in his beekeeper suit. Everything was in color. But then once he fully stepped into the world, everything turned black and white. So that was interesting. We did see the no, uh, although it was a different take of the no because it didn't sound as um, as menacing. I would say I noticed that. I don't know if anyone else did, um, and and that's all that we saw. Priscilla has brought us brand new information that apparently he was in uh, the opening credits because that was the opening theme that that where we saw the ice cream. So he was the ice cream man. That's fascinating. Thank you for that, Priscilla. You're welcome. Love that. Okay, so so things. Would you like a moment of insane pedantry? Okay, go ahead. The sort of thing you only see when you are like watching it with microscopic detail. Uh, so the uh, the guy in the uh, the hazmat suit is going through, and when he goes through the uh, energy barrier, uh, you know, he gets cut off, and so they're reeling it back in. And they're showing them reeling it back in and they cut away to a close-up of the reel and it's actually playing out the cord and they cut back to them reeling it in. So they just put a wrong shot in there. Oh, that's funny. Well. That was it. It really means no more than that. I've got nothing else. That's, I didn't go into the, with the, uh, the, <laughs> the layer that I went into the, the, uh, the commercial analysis. Yes. Well, you know, there was no commercial because, you know, we saw different POV. We're in reality. Yes, we are in reality. No commercials. Uh, okay, I, I like that though. Okay, so so things morph and they change into the appropriate time period. We got official confirmation of that in this episode. We didn't get confirmation as to why it's changing time periods. Uh, Darcy did a fantastic clip of like, you know, is it for my? It's clearly not for my entertainment. Uh, as the professor stated, uh, we saw episodes, but they saw more than what we saw because they, they were able to see Geraldine in the foreground uh, of uh, the 1960s episode. Uh, so, or, or, yeah, I think that was the 60s episode. Yeah. Um, so they saw her in the foreground, just reading a newspaper. Uh, they mentioned, that, as the professor did, that uh, you know she does laundry once per episode. So they're seeing more episodes than we're seeing. And uh, something that wasn't fully explained is how long this has been going on. Because are they seeing broadcasts that happened a week ago, but they're just now getting the uh, the episodes, you know? Or is it happening... I don't think it's happening 
at that moment. Some of them, it looked like it was because he was able to to speak into the 60s episode. So are they changing decades by day? Does time work differently in Westview? Uh, it, it, I mean, it has to just because it was daytime when Geraldine was uh, banished from Westview and outside it was nighttime. So the days must time just in general must work differently and is a day an episode i don't know i don't know if we'll ever get the answer to that but it's something interesting to think about i I did like that they're they can see more than what we've seen so it looks like just episodes continue on and on and on and on until the next day or something like that okay so let's talk about the confrontation so uh, we knew something happened in the previous episode, we didn't get to see what had happened. We saw the after effects of what happened. But this episode fully shows us what happens between the confrontation between Geraldine and Wanda after Wanda gave birth. And um, Wanda, you know, questions Geraldine. Geraldine doesn't have the answers that Wanda wants to hear. She says she's an outsider. We see her, you know, do the energy, whatever you want to call that, magic, uh, whatever, that she creates. And she blasts her through not one, not two, not three, through the fourth wall, but um, bumch, sending her out of Westview. And we see her magic fixing everything. Uh, we do see the scene where Vision comes back and questions, uh, where's Geraldine? But we see a hella different looking Vision, a, a zombie <laughs> Vision, the dead Vision, talking to Wanda. Wanda is clearly off-put, but she's able to, I guess, magic the illusion back. And... Uh, we also see a different cut of the end of the episode. We don't see how, exactly how the episode ended in, in episode three. We see uh, a different iteration. Uh, we hear a different conversation where Wanda kind of intimates that they can't leave. You know, because Vision's like, you know, we can go someplace else. We don't have to stay here in Westview. And Wanda basically is like, yeah, we kind of have to. But don't worry, I'm in control. And then we have a shot of vision, which I think is important. When Wanda sort of uh, walks to the couch, we have a brief shot of vision with a worried look. But then he sort of slaps on the sitcom smile. So I think it's important to note because we have seen vision noticing stuff. But then uh, Wanda sort of snaps him back into his sitcom-y bliss. So let's talk about this scene. Did everyone else notice what I noticed? What do we think it means? Uh, yeah. Uh, did, did that just add fuel to uh, the theory that both of you have, that it's Wanda, Wanda, Wanda? Wanda, Wanda, Wanda. Professor? Um, yeah, the thing that struck me about that was, you know, seeing it again, uh, watching it a second time, I was struck by, you know, the, uh, uh, the vision, the zombie vision reveal was done so well, uh, because, you know, they deliberately kept him in shade. 
uh, or in shadow, I should say, uh, you know, until the reveal. Um, so it was like really, really effective. And even going into it the second time, it was like, wow, that was so cleverly done the first time because it, it took me so totally by surprise. Um, and again, it does suggest that, you know, she is controlling things. She is, you know, creating the reality she wants to see rather than reality as it exists. Um, you know, uh, regarding her conversation with Monica, you know, there was some speculation, you know, before when people were thinking that Monica was like a plant sent in by uh, sword, you know, was Monica playing dumb, trying to manipulate Mo- um, uh, Wanda or was Monica really not remembering? And I think they made it clear in this episode that Monica started to remember, but then, you know, Wanda's powers locked back in and she went back to being sassy Geraldine. Uh, I do think it's important that they showed, uh, you know, Monica being thrown through all those walls, but she survived. And also I think it's really important that she went out beyond the edge of the field, but her clothes didn't and her makeup didn't change. She was still, so that means that whatever is happening within the bubble can still persist somehow outside the bubble. So that means that, you know, Wanda's powers are, more far reaching than just within the bubble. And I would submit, and again, getting into my, uh, uh, my wild speculation mode for a moment. I think the reason why they had Darcy tied to the cosmic microwave background radiation is that cosmic microwave background radiation is everywhere in the universe. So this means Wanda's powers theoretically could be universe altering. Yes. That was an interesting line because, uh, and they brought it up twice. Yeah. You know, as if to, to reinforce that. Yeah, the the line, uh, the very first time that she talked about it, when she was like, yeah, they're there for now, uh, and they're not dangerous for now. I was yeah. like, okay, they, they put that in for a reason, and uh, I liked it. Priscilla, what about you? Your thoughts on uh, Geraldine getting blasted out of uh, Westview, and everything Wanda envision in that scene that uh, clearly was different than the scene that we saw end the episode in episode three. Well, it again just clearly goes to reiterate that we're getting the censored version of what's been going on since we didn't get to see Wanda react negatively to anything vision related. We didn't get to see vision as a zombie. We didn't get to see wanda negatively say we can't leave but don't worry i have everything under control like all of that are like little hints that would have really helped the investigation going on with sword but unfortunately they didn't get any of that and but we as we as we as viewers get to see that but sword hasn't gone to see jack shit of that so it's going to be interesting to see what's going to happen now when they only have Geraldine's perspective, Geraldine, Monica's perspective. And from Monica's perspective, all she's been is the puppet under the control of Wanda. So it's all Wanda's fault. But that little bit at the end where she's like, we can't leave, but don't worry, I'm in control makes me think that maybe they're going to pull that whole that that whole other villain or or, or something else working under the sidelines and I hope they don't cuz I like Wanda being the bad guy. Well, I mean, 
I know that you're worried that if they may have another villain, it means Wanda isn't the bad guy. She's still doing bad things. Uh, I mean, she has an entire town under siege, uh, forced to live out her sitcom fantasies. So, even though she's not necessarily... Well, it depends. Maybe some people might find it torture. But, I mean, she's not necessarily really hurting them. But she does have them, uh, you know, at her beck and call to do, you know, play out all these parts. So she is being a villain. Like, I don't want us to take away that, you know, Wanda is being all hunky-dory and, and a hero at the moment. If there is someone out there taking advantage of this. Uh, I still, I like my theory that there is a bigger bad and either they're taking advantage of what Wanda is doing and to do whatever machinations they want, or they created a deal with Wanda. You know, I want you to do this. I will bring you Vision back, and uh, you will have dominion over this area, and you can do with it as you please. And so that's why Wanda does have control, but there is something in the clause that she's doing something in particular, whether it's the kids whether it's, uh, I mean, I'm still going to go back to that very first episode when he's working at that job and they're analyzing stuff at, at a rapid rate. Is, is that going to be involved? Uh, we haven't seen the workplace in a moment, so maybe not. But uh, I, I thought we were going to get that as uh, something really interesting. But maybe we aren't. But uh, I, I, I don't want us to lose the fact that even if there is someone else in the mix, that Wanda has not been peachy keen. I mean, she has been doing some bad stuff. I like this whole thing, this whole arc, though. This whole, I, I, no matter what it go, no matter no matter where it goes, I like where it's gone for now. I should say, like it, it feels like an extended Twilight episode. Where yes. the, do you remember where like that little kid who was controlling the whole town in the cornfield yeah. and yeah. where was bad goes to the cornfield? Yeah, like, that's how it feels. Well, let's say Twilight Zone because Twilight is a whole other different thing. <laughs> sparkly <laughs> yeah, vampires, it, sparkly <laughs> vampires in the corn. <laughs> yeah, funny. Um, okay, uh, let's see. So. Uh, I guess before we start uh, moving into MVP and that sort of thing, I do want to say that um, there were a lot of haters of WandaVision, especially the first three episodes. I read, uh, I, I read, it was like a mixed bag. I think 50-50, like, or maybe it was 60-40. You know, the majority was positive, but there were nay naysayers out there. I don't know if they expected um, Endgame 2.0 with WandaVision, and they were severely disappointed. I kept on reading it was so slow. You know, they wanted people to binge. You know, they wanted everything to binge. You know, I want to binge it all, and that sort of thing. Um, and then after this episode, uh, there were just memes of, like, you know, everyone, impatient people, you know, bitching about the first three episodes. And then episode four came around and everyone was like, oh, well, damn, you know, it was worth the wait. There was an article also that was written over the weekend where the headline was basically something to the gist of, um, for all the people that complained about WandaVision, you've forgotten how to properly watch television. You know, that everyone is so accustomed to binging that they aren't used to the normal week-to-week -week format, 
where you know you can digest and and theorize about what's happening and then you get the next episode and then you get some answers but then you get some more questions so i just thought it was really fascinating to um get everyone's uh reaction to this fourth episode because it was so well received online and i think uh part of the reason why they dropped two episodes first number one because the second episode did have um some uh peaks at reality in it and and i think you needed those first two episodes really to sink people into the show i also think and maybe i'm wrong but i i do think people especially generation z so that would be people in their early 20s and younger i'd, I'd often wonder what is it like for them to watch WandaVision, especially those first three episodes, because I don't know if Generation Z has as much of an attachment to 50s, 60s, and 70s sitcoms. Um, I don't know if this is just a, a millennial and above thing that, that we do because of reruns on like Nick at Night or TV Land and that sort of thing, um, but... Like I do wonder, does Generation Z sort of get it? Um, because uh, there is TV Land, and, and there is still Nick and Knight, but I think Nick and Knight shows like things from the aughts now. Like I don't think they show old stuff. And TV Land, I think, still does a, a mixture of stuff. I know that there are those uh, local channels. And that, well, they aren't really local channels, but the ones that you can get on cable. I have DirecTV, so I have no longer access to them. But there's like MeTV and Generations and Decades. They show reruns of stuff. Um, but I don't know, I don't think, like, Netflix has I Love Lucy. I think that's something on, like, CBS All Access, and, you know, where is Dick Van Dyke streaming and that sort of thing. So I wonder if there is that connection between Generation Z and, like, the first episodes. I wonder if Amazon they... Prime has a lot of it. Amazon okay. Prime has Dick Van Dyke, I believe. Okay, well, then maybe they do have, you know, if they want to stream it, they can... Or maybe watching this, they might get inspired to stream some of the classic sitcoms. I don't know. I just, I, I do wonder in the back of my mind, like, does Generation Z connect to WandaVision, especially those first couple of episodes. Uh, Professor, it looked like you were about to say something. Oh, yeah, just uh, a couple of things. One, talking about the the streaming side of things. Um, you know, uh, I find, you know, after watching the episode on Friday, the first thing I want to do is talk about it. So we have to wait until Monday when we record these. Incredibly frustrating. The second thing I want to do is watch the next episode. And part of that is, again, you know, uh, the last season of, of Star Trek Discovery. I saved all the episodes so I could binge them and, and try to avoid, you know, all social media, all potential spoilers. Uh, same thing with The Mandalorian. I, unfortunately, I couldn't escape the, the big surprise at the end of Mandalorian entirely, um, even though I saved it up, you know, so that I could watch all of the episodes on that last day. So this time I realized there's no way I'm going to escape this. Um, but, you know, so from the, the point of view of, yes, I, I have sort of been conditioned to get everything that I want when I want it. But what I'm liking about this is the fact that, you know, there are all of these elements to it. You know, there are all these things that we're looking at. What does the hex mean? You know, let's uh, go into forensic detail on the commercial. Uh, you know, what does this mean? What does that mean? And, you know, giving us time to talk about it and, and make it more of a cultural conversation than I think it would have been if it all just dropped on uh you know on one day uh and uh and we all would have been over it that mm -hmm. said um i can appreciate you know that some of the people who were saying it's a little slow and stuff like that uh the writer mark bernardin uh was talking about the first three episodes said that while he liked them he probably if it wasn't for the fact that it was part of the mcu and the previous relationship he had with these characters he probably would have stopped watching after the first episode because 
you know, if you don't have the connection to these characters, if you don't have the backstory of these characters, you don't have a reason to keep watching. Now, obviously, we keep watching because we do have that. But, um, you know, I, I don't know whether it would have appealed to people who hadn't watched, you know, Avengers Endgame and Avengers Infinity War or the other MCU properties uh, in the same way. Now, that said, there are enough people that, you know, are Marvel zombies that, you know, they've got a pretty solid audience uh, that they can rely on. Um, and, of course, you know, the the other Marvel stuff is there on Disney Plus, And if it inspires people to go back and watch that, um, and then it'll just keep people on, on Disney plus even longer. I found mm-hmm. after watching, uh, uh, the episode two weeks ago, I wanted to just go on and watch, uh, you know, uh, a couple of Marvel movies and the same thing Friday night after I'd watched this, but the only thing I could do was think to myself, okay, I'm going to rewatch, uh, end infinity war and Endgame, and, uh, see how we got here. Um, so, uh, I think it does really, 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 really work well. If you're a Marvel zombie, I don't know if it would be as appealing for someone who wasn't, uh, already a fan of the property. I don't disagree with you on that, but that same argument can be made about the Mandalorian. If you don't like star Wars, you might not be interested True. in watching it. Yeah, I will say, think honestly, I, mm-hmm. I, I, I do know somebody who like is super into classic TV and watched this, these episodes of, of WandaVision and loved the first three episodes, but he's not a Marvel fan. So when it finally got to this episode, he was really confused and was like, what, what like, Who are these he, he kept asking me, like, can you explain this? Cause I don't know. And I had, I, I had to direct him to the legends, um, episode and was like, just, just watch this. Cause you're really not going to get it unless you know the movie lore from, ages on and you're not going to watch the movies so you might as well just get everything summarized here well, that's interesting and even things that we love as fan service like you know uh you know uh jimmy Wu showing up or uh darcy lewis showing up or you know the reference to uh uh maria rambo you know the stuff that for us is like oh my god that's so great for them it's like what does that mean nothing so you know, there, there is a danger of, of too much fan service, but I, I think they're doing a pretty good job of it. I think if for those who were unfamiliar with it, uh, you know, if they did stick it with it for the first three, you know, this episode really is, you know, the game changer that we've been promised mm-hmm. um, in terms of us realizing that this is, you know, part of, you know, just a small part of the real world. And going forward, I suspect, you know, as I said last week, I think what we'll be doing is we'll be cutting between what's happening in the real world as well as what's happening in uh, in one division world. And so we'll have the sort of parallel storytelling going on. Uh, and again, in terms of how do we fill out the remaining episodes? You know, that helps us fill out the time because obviously the people outside of WandaVision reality are not just going to allow this to be happening without consequence. So, you know, uh, you know, other people will have to be called in. And, uh, you know, and uh, as uh, uh, as Darcy said, you know, there's no danger right now. But what if that containment field starts to get bigger or what if the radiation level starts to get higher? Then you might have a serious problem. Very true. Very true. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I guess the question that I do want to ask, the professor sort of uh, answered it right now, but I don't know if Priscilla wants to add to it, is what are we going to see moving forward? Not necessarily what plot points and that sort of thing are we going to see, but how do you think the episode will be structured? Do you think it's going to be, as the professor stated, we're just going to be cutting back and forth? Do we think maybe uh, you know we'll have the, the first half of the episode be the sort of sitcom, and then we'll see what they're watching? Or are we going to sort of, uh, the way I sort of envision it is, we'll see a little bit 
of the sitcom then will pan out of the screen and it will be a, a TV screen and we'll get some of the reaction from the people and then at some point we'll just they'll zoom into the TV and then we're back in the sitcom world. Do you think that's what we're going to be getting, Priscilla? Yeah, I think it's going to be like that where it it'll be the episode and then it'll flash to a commercial and then it'll zoom out and it'll be everybody watching the commercial and being like, so what do we think guys, what are we going to be doing uh, at, at this time? And it'll pan to them doing their machinations and figuring shit out in the real world. And then it'll be Darcy looking at the screen and then it'll go back into their world. Okay. I think we can all agree on that. So before we move on, any little tidbits, anything that I missed? I, I do have two things that I want to mention, but uh, I'll open the door to everyone else first. Uh, anything that we didn't discuss that uh, you feel must be said? Uh, I love the scene with uh, Darcy and Jimmy when they're watching the monitors and she offers him a chip and he thinks she's talking about, you know, whether he wants kids. And yes. again, that's why you get Randall Park to play that. It's so good. And again, that's sort of that Marvel Cinematic Universe thing that, you know, we're dealing with this really serious situation, but you can have these little character moments that are absolutely true. This is the Jimmy that we've come to know and love from the Ant-Man movies. The other thing I liked about it is that, you know, Jimmy is, you know, very amiable and a nice guy, but he's actually quite good at his job. Mm-hmm. You know, he he he's making all the right calls throughout this, whether it's calling in sword or advising the. Uh, um, uh, the sword head, uh, you know, the, it's a bad idea to send the guy in. Um, you know, he's the one who does manage to reach out to want it doesn't work, but, uh, you know, he and uh, Darcy are working really well together. And I like the fact that, you know, uh, you know, Jimmy is not being presented merely as, as a matter of fun. He's, you know, a very competent, capable agent. Even though yes. everybody treats him like he's the butt of the joke. Yeah. Like they're, they're like, is, uh, are are you are you, are you here because Quantico is missing its baseball season or some something akin to that? And he's like, baseball isn't playing right now, sir, or something like that. And you know like, who he reminds me of? If you watched Veep, Sam Richardson's character was this very oh, amiable yeah. guy that everyone sort of you know rejected because they thought he was simple-minded just because he was friendly and amiable. But it turns out he was the smartest, most capable person of the lot. Yeah. And uh, oddly enough, uh, the actor was on Veep as well. That's right. Yeah. I like it. Uh, okay, so I love the coffee gag. Uh, it only happened twice, but it, I just, I love Darcy wanting her coffee. I, I love that. Um, and I, oh gosh, did I lose it? Did I lose my train of thought? What was the, what was the other thing that I wanted to reference? Um, good grief, I think I might have lost it. Oh, well, if it comes back, I will, I will reference it. Oh, yes. So something that I did not mention in the previous podcast that happened to me, at least, again, after I watched this, this new episode. So after I watched last week's episode on Disney+, Plus, uh, you know how they give a recommendation? The recommendation was Age of Ultron. For this one, it was also Age of Ultron. I don't know if it was for anybody else, but it just, it kind of made me laugh. Yeah, because, it was Age of Ultron for me, too. It was. That's so funny. I'm like, okay, they really want y'all to watch this movie because it's important. But it, I thought that was brilliant. I, I will start well, paying attention to that. Well, the reason why it might be mm-hmm. important that they want you to watch Age of Ultron is, my suspicion is a character from Age of Ultron will be coming back. Oh, James Spader's character? Oh, no. that would be. Oh, uh, it's obviously oh. Pietro's coming back. Oh, shout out to Pietro. 
Ooh. How can you not see that? Why would they have mentioned Pietro by name? Why would they be given vision speed powers? Uh, it's, I think it's obvious that the next thing she's going to do is recreate her lost uh, brother. Very interesting. I do like that. I feel I like Pietro. Call that crazy prediction. That just seems to me like obvious. Okay, I like it. I, I, I feel like Pietro sort of got the shaft. I mean, you know, he was in one film, and that was sort of it. And I get it. We all get it, Marvel. It was the whole Marvel versus Fox thing when they were competitors and the contracts and that sort of thing. But now that they are together, Disney owns Fox. Um, I, I really like that. Um, I also really love the actor that played uh, Quicksilver in uh, Age of Ultron. So uh, stay tuned. Uh, but I, I do want to notice, I, I want to pay attention like in future episodes to see if um, the recommendations are somehow tied to what we're watching. I don't think I, I noticed anything from episode one and two, but definitely last week and this week, both of them being Age of Ultron. It's fascinating stuff. Uh, I read someone tweeted something like, oh, after I watched episode three, I really wanted to watch Age of Ultron, but then <laughs> Disney Plus recommended it, and they were like, I'm not going to do it just because you told me to do it. It was, <laughs> it was a funny tweet. Okay, so now it is time for the MVP, the most... Wait, well, wait. Oh, wait, go ahead. Can I just, can I yes. just mention one thing? Go ahead. After the boring palette of like just everybody in neutrals it's nice to see monica rambeau in like a nice blue like eyeshadow and to see it really close up when she's like it's wanda it's wanda so yes chef's kiss for that moment for that close-up it's nice for the makeup department to give us something nice to look at i like it and she was thrown out in her 70s garb so she was able to keep that it she didn't um you know how the inverse is, is right for the show? Like when you go in, it goes uh, time period appropriate. So if you if you leave, you leave with whatever it is that you're wearing, which I thought was interesting. That's what I was saying. That's, that means whatever, uh, whatever reality warping uh, Wanda is doing within the bubble, the effects persist outside yeah. the bubble, which could be terrifying. Tis true. Tis very, very true. Uh, so I will do my my pleading once more before we get into the MVP. Next week, it appears as if we will be now going into an 80s episode of WandaVision. I need a you got it, dude. Someone has to say it. It, it doesn't even have to be Elizabeth Olsen, although that would be the most appropriate person to say you got it, dude. Can I That's just get a show they're going to do? You don't think it's going to be Full House? No, I saw a um, a still. Uh, and it's family ties. Oh, it's family ties. I, I'm I'm pretty sure I recognize the scene as being. If it wasn't family ties, it was it was very similar. Now there were a lot of you know you know growing pains and stuff like that. Uh, but it looked to me like a recreation of the family ties house. Oh damn it! Also, wasn't uh, wasn't Full House '90s? Well, it started in the '80s and it ended in the '90s. Okay, because I never watched it, but, you know, and by the time the 90s came around, I really wasn't watching a lot of sitcoms. I would love to see them do a Frasier take, but I doubt they're going to do that. Well, yeah, uh, I don't think they're going to go Frasier. But, um, well, if they do Full House in the 90s, I, if they do Full House, I'm just saying, I need a You Got It Dude. I need a You Got It Dude from somebody. Vision can fucking say You Got It Dude. I just need a You Got It Dude. That's all I'm asking for. I asked for very Valentine's little. I didn't really have any catchphrases, though. 
I know family ties. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying. I'm putting it out there. It would be nice. And appropriate. Because it's Elizabeth Olsen. Anyway. All right. MVP. Most valuable player. State which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. Once a character has been chosen, they cannot be selected again. So choose wisely. Okay. I don't remember who I picked first the last time. So I uh, apologies if I pick the same person again. Um, let's go with the professor. Uh, Darcy Lewis, uh, you know, got to give it to Darcy Lewis. She was great. She was fantastic. And she was sort of the linchpin of the episode. She was the one who figured out what was going on. She was the one who enabled them to see within, uh, and, and, uh, tell what's going on. Um, and, uh, she never did get that cup of coffee. So, uh, at least I can give her this. I know she got some chips though, which, uh, she got some chips and uh, a uh, a bowl of hot noodles. So, which yeah. she dropped though. <laughs> which she dropped. Yeah, that was very sad. Because then she's got to wait a whole other three minutes for it to heat up again. <laughs> anyway, uh, okay, and she also got the respect that she deserved. I'm just saying. Priscilla, what about you? Your MVP. Oh, I got to give it to Wu. He he. He just is so cool. He figured out magic finally for this for for, for this season, should I say, of TV? Yes. Weird. Um, and he figured out everything to deal to to deal with Westview without Sword's help. With with the, with them actively being antagonizing, actually, with, with just with 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 the help of Darcy, he figured out how to get Geraldine out of there and how to contact Wanda and how to interact with the world safely. So yeah, I'm going to give props to Jimmy Woo. Love him. Fantastic. Great choices from everybody. Oh God. Like after, cause those two are the obvious choices. So the, uh, the other two, there are two people that I could pick from, um, but one, she, it was just that final scene at the end. So I'm, I'm, I, I won't give it to her. I will give it to Monica Rambeau. I thought Tiana Paris did a fantastic job with the opening. Like really getting us all into the headspace of someone that has just been unblipped. Someone that's been brought back after vanishing for five years. Um, I also love seeing her, you know, even though Priscilla was a little, was a little uh, you know, uh, she wasn't that happy with her, but I like seeing her as a badass sword agent. Uh, I, I did. Um, so I liked seeing this different side of the character that we were introduced to in the sitcom world. Seeing her in the real world was really nice. Outside of the sitcom glory. So before we start the rating of the episode, I also do I do want to do another little note, something that I just thought of, uh, because a lot of people were wondering when WandaVision took place in regards to the MCU proper. So we got official confirmation in this episode. This was three weeks, in essence, after what happened in Avengers uh, Endgame. So there's that. All right, now... Also, which means whatever happens in here... If it was, if it's a big public thing, then it should have a ripple effect on Far From Home, because that's happening in the same universe, right? Correct. When does Far From Home take place? Uh, it happens like what eight months to a year after the blip. Okay. 
Okay. If uh, and some there, mm-hmm. I did read some speculation that you know, uh, if uh, if the Scarlet Witch goes nuts and accidentally creates the multiverse, because when Mysterio shows up in Far From Home, um, he says he is fleeing from his Earth, alternate Earth, in another universe. Um, so it, it's possible. Now that said, everyone should know about the multiverse because of and not not that everyone would know about it, but you know the idea of the multiverse of, of alternate realities should be established as what happened in Endgame. But it's possible that whatever happens here will lead to that broader knowledge of the concept of it. True, especially because... the does means you can't destroy the Earth. Yeah. Um, the Doctor Strange movie is called The Multiverse of Madness. So yes, and everyone that. knows that the Scarlet Witch is going to be in that movie. And everyone's sort of been assuming that she'd be there helping Doctor Strange. What if she's the big bad of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness? Or... What if she's the one that needs to be helped? What if Doctor Strange has to save her from the multiverse of madness? Entirely possible. Yes. Yeah, this, this, could, this could be setting up uh, that. But that movie's still like 2022. That would be a long wait for the, the payoff. I do agree. But I think that's what's exactly what's going to happen. I think whatever Wanda ends up doing or whatever the, the resolution will be at the end of this, is she's going to be probably trapped somewhere, maybe. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. We we have that question. We have whether Vision and the twins are going to be corporeal by the end of this. Stay tuned, everybody. So now it is time to rate the episode. How would you rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10 televisions? Uh, we'll, we'll swipe some of the ones that Darcy has. The point system is allowed. And if you found the episode exceptional, deserving of more than a 10, you may grant it the coveted golden television. Let's start off with Priscilla. Oh my god, for sheer satisfaction's sake, I'm going to give this 10 televisions. I'm not giving it a golden, because it wasn't perfection. But I will give it 10 televisions for giving me the satisfaction of finally being Marvel. Finally being the opposite side of the coin. For finally giving me answers to all the questions that I've been desperately asking myself the entire time. So, 10 all right, a solid 10 from Priscilla. Would you say the episode was marvelous? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Professor, what about you? Where do you stand? How would you rate this episode? I'll go a little higher. You know, for me, it was, you know, uh, seeing, you know, the actual MCU come through my TV was like having an old friend drop by. Uh, you know, I mentioned in the past how, you know, hearing the Marvel Studios theme, you know, uh, has that uh, that emotive effect. And just having this whole episode feel so much like a, a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. Darcy's back. Uh, Jimmy's back. Um, you know, there's there's uh, bringing you know, explaining everything that was happening outside of the WandaVision bubble uh, and getting some of the answers, but not all of the answers, still leaving enough out there, enough questions uh, for us to want to watch. For me, it's uh, it's a golden television. Wow. All right. This is our first golden television of the season, I think. Uh, yeah, I haven't. Uh, nothing so far has been golden television for me. There you go. All right. Okay, so... The professor said a lot of great things, and you almost convinced me, but I'm not ready just yet. So I'm going to give it a solid 10. I thought it was a fantastic episode. Uh, I could say this about all the episodes. They are very rewatchable. I do find myself rewatching at least the previous episode um, 
with the current episode. Like, my sort of routine is I'll watch the new episode on Friday, and then, like, Saturday or Sunday, I'll watch the previous episode along with the new episode, and then I usually rewatch the new episode before we podcast, so it's fresh in my mind. Uh, but, yeah, so this it's incredibly rewatchable. It was hella entertaining. We got a lot of answers, set up a lot of questions. We saw fan favorites return, and we got a completely different remixed POV of everything that we had seen from episodes uh, one, two, and three. So uh, a fantastic, solid 30 minutes of Disney Plus Marvel MCU television. It's fantastic. So on that note, join us next time for a brand new installment of the Avengers Initiative WandaVision. Here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for The Avengers Initiative, WandaVision and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. My co-hosts, please wish the listeners a good night, starting off with the professor. Good night, everyone. And Priscilla. Tune in next week for another exciting edition of our podcast. You got it, dude. Sorry. (laughs) I'm a weirdo. Thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes of the Avengers Initiative WandaVision every Tuesday via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Poppy Chula Radio archives. Good night.